in this episode. There's a couple other movies that we talked about too that, that, that I can't remember offhand, but yeah, people either, like you were saying earlier, love it or hate it. They're profound, you know. And, like Wicker and, Man. Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage. Oh, gosh. I, no, that is not, <laughs> it does not divide yeah. anyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, you're listening to Paleo Cheese Podcast, episode 15, part one, with Michael David Wilson. Hello, I'm Jeremiah Bannister. And I'm Chad Lutsky. And you're listening to Paleo Cheese Podcast, part of the Project Entertainment Network, where the podcast where a seasoned horror veteran holds the white-knuckled hand of a horror newbie, that's me, as they explore the genre together, film by film. And Chad, buddy, we've got a guest today, man. One of your boys. Yes, we do. Uh, yeah. Mr. Michael David Wilson. He's a publisher and author and co-host of one of the best podcasts out there, which is uh, This Is Horror. So, Michael, thanks for hanging out with us, man. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to chat with you both. I've of course, spoken to you a few times on This Is Horror. Oh. We had the big lung form conversation where we spoke about all those life lessons and all that good mm -hmm. stuff. And we did a self-publishing special with David Moody. And yeah. then hot off the press, the most recent episode at the time of recording, you won a This Is Horror Award, Novella of the Year for The Pale White. <laughs> and yes. so... We recorded a little bit for that. It's interesting because when Bob Pastorella was on your show, you were talking about the awards from the previous year and you mm -hmm. were kind of joking around like, oh, Betty Rocksteady won <laughs> novella of the year, but I was on the ballot. And yeah. now, fast forward, well, you've won it. So who's laughing now, Rocksteady? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Betty. Take that. <laughs> yeah. No, she's a great writer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> the uh, yeah, that that's uh, that's pretty cool. It, it's an honor to have you on here, and and a little intimidating, man. You're like the guru of podcasts. With the you guys are what? How many episodes are you in so far? Like uh, three hundred and is it three hundred over three hundred? Yeah, I feel a little bit nerdy to be able to tell you we're at 362, so I've got yeah. that shit memorized, but <laughs> yeah, well. it's been, been a, a pretty wild ride. It's been seven years, 362 episodes, and then that's not including the on-camera off-record video cast, which is about 40 episodes. We've got Story Unboxed that's about 14 episodes, and a lot of patrons only Q and A sessions. That must be thirty or forty as well. So we're we're quite used to podcasting. We've 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 uh, racked them up over the years. And even though I say three hundred and sixty plus in seven years, the first two years we were only putting out on average one podcast per month. So we were really easing in. So it's the previous five years that have been. Oh, we are really ramping it up again now because mm -hmm. it's, it's at least one episode per week and then a number of weeks where there are two episodes per week. So it's intense, but we're having fun. Yeah. And for those who don't know, I mean, who haven't checked out This Is Horror yet, which I can't imagine if that they would be listening to this before before you, but the... um the format that you guys and i've brought this up before on your show I, I think i brought it up on this show when i'm talking about the format that you guys have um it, i find it so interesting that uh, first of all it's a uh, you know one of the best if not the best interview podcast out there if you want to get to know uh authors you know people like uh i mean i know you guys have had lansdale on there and melanin yeah. and uh all of the like big um you know the ones that are like big but it's steps below like King or Koontz or McCammon or something like that. And, but you do have somebody else coming on. And if we can talk about it for a second, I, I, I don't know if you can mention it, but I did want to say that, but the, um, the, the, the format that you guys have, 
that you ask the same exact question um, for your first question for every guest. And it turns into a great, it, it just, when you, it, on paper, it sounds like it maybe wouldn't work, to, but the, but the question, because when you're doing interviews and you get asked the same question, you kind of get tired of hearing yourself talk and giving the same answers. And, and, but the, the question that you guys ask about life lessons really gives yeah. a, a variety of answers. And those answers can last anywhere from five to 20 minutes of somebody, you know, going deep. And that's why the first time I was on there, I was so familiar. I decided I'm going to go deep, like right off the bat yeah. and, and yeah. give them something to, that has nothing to do with, with, uh, I don't think we talked about, started talking about writing until 45 minutes in or something. I love it. Yeah. You have well, to say I mean, the question. You have well, to say the I'm, question. You have oh, to yeah, say yeah, the, the question. question. Yeah. I, we'll have Michael yeah. say it. He said it yeah. 362 times. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, the question will be some variant of, so to begin, let's talk about some of your early life lessons growing up. And it's pretty yeah. much always said in that kind of cadence and with that rhythm as well. So it's not yeah. only the, the same question, but the same tone, the same pace. But yes. I say it every time. I don't just put an audio clip in. So it is, it is me it repeating. Yeah. But I, I will say that so if people who are a guest on the show are very familiar with the format, then, of course, they know that is coming but if there are guests who aren't as familiar it can sometimes stump them particularly if that. they think hang on i thought we were just talking about my new book and it's like yeah. well <laughs> for two and a half hours i mean it's very <laughs> optimistic but no yeah. th this is your life but but because of that and because i i think with this as horror my job is to catch the guests looking good. It's to really highlight their strengths. It's also to impart writing lessons and life lessons to the listeners. So I, I obviously don't want the author to be stumped right out the gate. And also we want to create this rapport so that anything can be on the table and so we can go personal we can go to dark places if if that's the direction that the conversation you know wants to go so i have been tinkering maybe the last 10 or so episodes with the question so that it, it's the same spirit but mm. i'm trying to maybe add something in so it's less intimidating so i mean one thing i've been doing for a long time is if i know where the author grew up then i'll say you yeah, tell us about your early life lessons growing up in portland or growing up in london or wherever it is so that gives a little bit texture and flavor but i do research the guest a hell of a lot and i'll that i'll yeah. often find out things and they're like how the hell do you know? And it's like, that well, was, look at that, that camera me. in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, that was my experience on there. I think yeah. you brought something up about um, me being on, getting in lots of trouble and ending up on probation at the age of yeah. 12. And I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm just imagining, but, too, you, you bring up Portland and I'm thinking, you know, 20 years from now when you guys are like on episode 20,000. Yeah. Um, you're going to be able to interview these whippersnappers growing up in uh, 2020 Portland, and they're going to have a lot of interesting life lessons to talk about. Yeah, and some crazy experiences going on there. You know, because yeah. it's gotten kind of intense. It's uh, an epicenter of uh, a lot of issues in the United States right now. Yeah, so it's just kind of that... it's interesting to imagine like how that will change even over time. You know, and of course with each person it's different, but but to see like and say well. You know, what would it be like in Seattle of 1989 or 1992, you know, uh, in the heyday of kind of alternative rock and stuff like that or, you know, whatever. In different cities that are kind of going through different phases that in the timeline of ma humankind that uh, that it stands out for that reason. And that someone lived through that, not just in an abstract way or uh, 
culture at large way, but in a way that says that's actually my, my home. <laughs> I lived there. And I mean, I've been thinking a lot as to how we'll look back at 2020. And I think that's a really interesting point that I'm going to park and then I'm going to return back to it. Because, yeah, with, with this opening question now, I'll try and find something super specific. So it's like, okay, so one of the first times that you found out you were going to be a writer and you had that germ of an idea was when you were in the first grade and you wrote this monster story and your teacher said, yeah, I think that's pretty good. You've got some talent and talk us a little, talk us through that a little bit. And then that is a little bit less intimidating because I think as well, if you're asked, tell us some early life lessons, your brain is going off in a hundred directions and you've almost got a decision paralysis. And so if I can get an entry point in, then that might mean that then I can kind of circle back for more wide and general question because it would be awkward if, we just stalled completely out the gate with the first question. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I'm always trying to think as to how I can be a better podcaster and a better interviewer, a better conversationalist. And you were hinting at this a few minutes ago, but we have Chuck Polanik coming on to This Is Horror Podcast. I'm talking to him awesome. in, a, in about a week. So he is the most high-profile guest that we will have had on the show. I mean, if you look at his Twitter following, for example, he's got over half a million followers. I mean, that that is more than anyone that we've had on the show. And, I mean, we briefly had Joe Hill on the show. So he's got more damn followers than, than Joe He's got about 300,000. And Chuck is one of three writers that are kind of a dream guest that I wrote down when I first started out doing this as horror. Paul and Nick, Stephen King, almost obviously, and Haruki Murakami. Those are the three writers that I would love to chat with. So it was almost like a, a combination of this hard work and these years of of, mm-hmm. of interviewing and running the podcast that I'm now going to interview Chuck. Now, I say it's a culmination. I should be clear. It's not going to be the end. I'm not going to say, right, I've interviewed Chuck, so that is yeah. the end of You've this been, horror. Yeah, especially when, you know, Stephen <laughs> and Haruki, who I'm sure listen to Paleo Cheese, we like to have a conversation with you at some point so (laughs) we've got to at least achieve that before packing it in but yeah I'm reading so many or rereading books by Chuck at the moment I'm looking through interviews I'm looking for his early life experience so there'll be different things that I can draw on but it, it depends who you talk to as to how they receive that opening question. And perhaps the danger with too open with someone is, is he going to think, oh, have you not prepared? That's a very mm-hmm. wide question. But if I say, well, I know that this happened when you were four years old, I mean, he might hang up the and be like, okay, that's too weird. Or we <laughs> might get something interesting out of it. But, you know, I was telling you the other day that I saw Chuck on the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. And such an interesting interview and intimidating man, uh, but very calming. And I could have listened to six hours of him talking, telling very uh, disturbing and just outlandish stories. And the way he tells them, he's an amazing storyteller. So I'm really looking forward to the, to that episode when you when you are you gonna I know you've probably got ten already recorded are you gonna put it at the end of the line or is it gonna be able to cut in above before some of the other episodes that you already have recorded? 
It's pretty much going to cut in before all of the episodes we have yeah. recorded. Okay, so apologies yeah. to, to all the writers listening who I've interviewed recently. But I mean, I really want to, to put this out as soon as possible. So we'll be talking to him in about a week. But about a week after that, he's got his new book coming out. I don't know how many podcasts he's going to do, but I have a feeling that there really aren't many. I don't know if This Is Horror is the only one that he's doing. I mean, he doesn't do podcasts that often. So I want it to be as good an experience for him as possible. And I want to get that out into the world. And I mean, Chuck has been saying for a long time that he's, always been interested in writing a horror book and I think previous books and most books they've all skirted around horror I'd say they're horror tangential I mean these are dark messed up books but I think the latest one the invention of sound is is pretty much Chuck's horror book so it just I've I've been considering opening up an invitation for Chuck to be on Tara for a long time now. And I knew that I had to get the timing right. Mm-hmm. And I I considered reaching out to him when he put his on writing book out earlier this year, titled Consider This. But now that he has the horror one, it was like, look, this is horror is about writing life lessons and horror. Chuck has released an on-writing book and a horror book in the same year. This is the yeah. time to strike. So yeah. I, I threw out my shot. I got in contact and I landed. And it, it was so surreal getting an email from Chuck. And at the time, I had just recorded a podcast with Bob. And so we're just chatting afterwards. And I'm like, Bob stop everything and he's probably like oh I'm sitting here in front of a microphone I wasn't doing a lot but but okay Uh, I was like I just got an email from from Chuck Paulinick and I'm like I'm I was shaking but shaking with like excitement and adrenaline like really positive shaking like whoa this is going down (laughs) and it yeah it it feels really gratifying and it it just gives me a boost of confidence. It's like, well, if I can get Chuck on the show, I mean, as silly as it sounds, it's almost like theoretically I can get anyone on the show. And I mean, I've, I've kind of had that attitude for a while anyway. I think don't self-reject. I mean, John Langan says that about fiction and about short stories. So don't decide, oh, I'm not going to send it to this publication because I don't think I'm good enough. It's like you send the story out. And in this case, you send the email or you contact the publicist and you ask if that person can come on the show. And I mean, I've done that and often it lands very positive results sometimes they'll say no they can't do it or the publicist will say they're not doing interviews at the moment and that's fine and that's still that's still a connection um it might be that they then later in their career think actually i'd like to do a podcast interview they remember that i reached out and then they get in contact with me so Mm -hmm. i mean the, the big takeaway for people is not to self-reject and if you're wondering you know how do I get x y and z on the show get in contact with them I mean it's it's okay if you have a long-term plan and you're like right I want to get Chuck on I'm gonna wait for the perfect opportunity so you can be strategic about that but also the perfect time is going to vary from individual to individual. So some writers, if it's during a promotional period, that's going to be ideal because they've got a Mm. book out that they want to get in front of people. But actually, you'd be surprised at the amount of times 
you might be able to catch them when they wrote a book six months ago. The next one is in six months because nobody's asking them to come on the show. So suddenly mm -hmm. you have access, for want of a better word, to these writers who maybe they'd be too busy to come on your show beforehand. It's like not asking the really hot chick at, at, at the school uh, to dance because you're so intimidating or because you're mm. so intimidated by her and so yeah. therefore nobody asks her yeah you, and you you never really know i i who's gonna say yes and who's we've got a good track record so far there is one guest that i asked to come on um that i reached really big for and uh they never answered and that's okay i've i've you know done that before but i, I had a magazine that i did uh just an independent horror punk rock thing that i did about 20 years ago and i started you know asking kind of like smaller bands that were in the punk scene and and independent film stuff and then i ended up you know by the i think by the second issue second and third issue i i, I had interviewed um you know ex-members of the misfits uh henry rollins bruce campbell uh, bands like fu manchu and the accused and and uh electric frankenstein and and, and lots of like movie lloyd coffin from uh, trauma entertainment and it was a blast and i was surprised at how many people were like sure yeah i'll do that and you never know and and this was when the internet was i mean the internet was there but it wasn't quite like it is now more people are even more uh you know reachable now when you first started talking about uh the issue of a track record you said we've got a pretty good track record you know with this we were just talking about hot women <laughs> and i thought is that what he's talking about like i mean we're pretty good <laughs> yeah. but i mean you know i mean obviously you know yeah, we got group <laughs> we got groupies and stuff but it made me oh, think gosh. and i said you know self self-rejection that's that's totally for real man i mean i think it's uh paralyzing to so many people including myself for a long time and in fact it's funny you know we we I don't want to get into a lot of detail about what happened before the show, but let's just say that it is, is a wigwam <laughs> filled to overflowing with ridiculousness on my part. Uh, a lot of technical difficulties and stuff like that. But the whole reason that even happened, uh, that cascading, terrible <laughs> avalanche of, of difficulties um, is because I, I'm actually uh, getting over some of that uh, self-rejection, right? Um, and saying like, you know, I, I don't know if I should make videos or I, I don't know about blogging, you know, and, and, and getting back into it. I used to do it all the time. I did radio. And so I did all that stuff. And for a long time, and I don't even know what it was that made it that way, um, that kind of made me start thinking differently about myself. Um, and some of that might be good. People who've known me for a long time might be like, you know, he's not as arrogant as he used to be. <laughs> and, and, but it, it's, so there's pros and cons with this, you know, I, on the one hand, I think I'm a better man. And yet on the other hand, some of those things that, um, the ways that I am now, right. And the person that I am now doesn't have that kind of bravado, uh, that, that braggadocious dynamic, uh, to my personality, which, which kind of fueled me being like, I'm going out and just, I'm a fighter. I'm going, and I'm going to, right, 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 right. And make videos like crazy and all this stuff. And I, and finally my wife, we, we actually talked, this is probably a, just a couple months ago and saying like, look, you know, you've got all these really cool things going. You got people reaching out to you, wanting you to be involved with making videos on different topics and writing blogs. And you got a publisher that's currently an editorial board that's reviewing the book to see if they want to publish it. And, you know, you need to step up to the plate. You're good at this and you need to kind of have a little bit, you know, don't, don't fall back into that whole braggadocious thing. You know, don't do that. You know, that that's a shtick that you can bury um, and leave it. But at the same time, you know, have that, have that confidence to say, look, what's the worst that's going to happen is they're going to say no, you know, or that somebody might not like it and say, well, I don't like this video as much, or I don't like this blog as much, or this, this book as much, whatever it is. And say, you know, that, that happens That's part of the territory. That's, it's literally part of the game. And, you know, it'd be amazing <laughs> to see somebody who's like, I have zero negative <laughs> reactions to any of my posts and videos and podcasts. Everybody loves them, you know, cranking it up to 11 every episode. Just, it's, it's so fake. And so it's been something. So to hear, you know, you talking about that and not to cut yourself short, 
it's a lesson not only that I've learned and you guys have learned too, uh, different phases. Would of you your say own it's lives. a life lesson? It is a life <laughs> lesson. And it, it's funny. It is a life lesson. And, but I'll tell you a life lesson, um, because I'm getting back into this and I've started writing again. Uh, one of my posts this week was about a life lesson and how I learned as a kid to kind of, and it, it plays into even what I'm saying here to, to, to trust. And to have that sense of security that you can trust enough to let go. Cause it's we're talking about my dad on a motorcycle uh, and a gold wing when I was a kid, a 1981 gold wing and how I used to have my arms, you know, wrapped around them real tight and I'd have my helmet on and I'd be, you know, just white knuckled, super scared, almost as scared as watching Jaws, um, you know, <laughs> something scary. Um, uh, the shows that Chad forces me to watch <laughs> that I'm enduring because I'm terrified traumatized in fact but i i would be latched onto my dad and i remember i i talked about it. i remember the day when i finally just kind of accepted that he knows what he's doing and he knows where he's going and the last thing on his mind is that he wants to hurt me and for the first time i just let go of him and i spread my arms out like a like a bald eagle man and pennsylvania roads just cruising by and just closed my eyes and smiled at the sun and just hearing that wind on the outside of the helmet and stuff. Anyway, see, it made me think about that. So, yeah, man, it, we're not even on your show and you're making us think about life lessons as kids. <laughs> yeah. You got this magic to you, Michael. Yeah, like people live. Well, I was going to say joked, but they might, in fact, be being serious that anytime I guest on a show, I unwittingly or perhaps a little bit wittingly start. <laughs> turning the tables on them or interviewing them or you know getting them to to open up about their early experiences but you know all, all these shows these these are conversations I think a conversation is more interesting than an interview and I think really what we do on this is horror it's almost a hybrid between conversation and interview because of course we want the guests to be talking the majority of the time so in that sense it's it's more a simulated conversation because we're holding back from kind of hogging the limelight as it were but an interview it's too rigid it's too structured there's not enough follow-up and so I think the future of the interview the evolution of the interview is the conversation so I, I think this is good and I love that the, the image of you on the motorcycle with your father, I mean, it's both a metaphor and a literal image. And it's just, it's, it's a great life lesson. And I think you articulated it all wonderfully. So thank you for sharing that with us. And to go back to the idea of, you know, people who have no negative reviews or no negative comments or no negative anything i mean unfortunately if that's you and so this is a little bit hard if it is you and you're listening but it just means you haven't had a wider enough audience yet you haven't reached enough people because if you reach yeah. enough people then there are going to be people who love what you do and there are going to be people who hate what you do and that is okay not only is it okay but it's how it should be you wouldn't want to write some tepid, middle-of-the-road, lukewarm book or story where everybody says, oh, is all right. Well, make them feel something. Make them love it or make them hate it. But they have to feel something. And so, I mean, with the girl in the video, the novella that I put out at the end of April, I mean, I've got some five-star reviews I've got some one-star reviews I think the two-star reviews are probably the more constructive of the negative reviews because often a one-star review can be like I hated it <laughs> this was terrible and it's like okay give me more tell me why mm -hmm. why why did you dislike it but I mean on the subject of reviews as well as I've often referred to on the podcast I like to go back to what Led Baron said, where if you put too much stock in the five star reviews, you also have to put a lot of stock in the one star reviews. So it's just a good idea to not take too many reviews 
seriously. And I know some writers take that to the extreme where they don't check reviews. And I think you have to do what works for you. If that is good for your mental health, if you know that it's going to put you in a funk or it's going to really affect you for the rest of the day, don't read the negative reviews. At the moment, for me, I'm very curious. I look at, you know, on, on Goodreads, what's everyone yeah. saying about it? And, you, you know, just, just read it, hear what they have to say. They're, they're free to their opinion. I'm free to agree or disagree with it. You know, there can be yeah. interpretations, usually the negative ones, where I think, well, that's not how I see it. But you know, you'd hope it wouldn't be. I didn't set out to write a bad book, but, you know, we're, we're all entitled to these opinions and we're all entitled to to ignore them as well. We've got to do what we've got to do for ourselves. I would say if you disagree with a negative review, don't don't reply. Don't don't have a conversation yeah, no, no. about yeah, it. No. Just, yeah. just, just, you know, you disagree in your head you don't you don't actually have that conversation because yeah. because then the negative review is is completely valid and is their yeah experience yeah. i mean we we all have films and books where we love it and someone else we know hates it or we hate it and other people love it i mean for, for whatever reason, there does seem to be a bit of a divide in terms of Ari Aster films, and perhaps even more so with Midsummer. There are many people who I respect who love it, and there are many people who hate it. And I mean, I'm I'm in the love it camp. I I think for me, Ari Aster is the finest modern day filmmaker you know of, of kind of new breed that we have out there i mean i'd also put jordan peele in the conversation i know a lot of people would put robert eggers in the conversation um for me which was was a good film but it wasn't a great film i didn't like it to the degree that so many people did but i know that there will be people listening and maybe thinking oh sh should i unsubscribe to this is horror because he's just praised <laughs> midsummer as one of the the best films and then said that the witch was middle of the road but th this is the point that we all have these differing opinions and we have nuanced opinions so we we spoke briefly off air about it follows and yeah, so that was, uh, for that was me <laughs> yeah for for me yeah. it yeah. follows is logically and from a story perspective actually quite flawed but in terms of an artistic experience and in terms of the amount of joy that i derived from watching it it mm. it was absolutely brilliant and so it it's a film where depending on the lens that I'm I'm viewing it through or in which I'm analyzing it, I could either tear it apart or I could lift it up. And mm -hmm. I I think when I was younger and more naive and perhaps felt like I need to have a more black and white opinion and things are either good or they're bad. And if if I could criticize or poke holes in a film I'd be like no this this is a bad film and here's why but actually now with music and with film if I enjoyed it it doesn't matter if technically you could say it's not the best did you have fun were you happy because being happy can be massively underrated and if you had a damn good experience which I did watching it follows ultimately that is all that matters and also yeah. it has one of the best soundtracks in a film yeah. it's, yeah. it's yes. incredible I certainly agree with that and and um i was just on um a podcast uh talking about elevated horror and why why it's called elevated horror and how 
the term kind of bothers me because to me it's just a a modern term for something that's intelligent and unique and well done and that it's sad that we have to have a a title like that for something that's not a remake or that's something that is just a good idea with with all of the garbage that's coming out and we talked about it follows and hereditary and the witch how divided the audiences are with that there's a couple other movies that we talked about too that, that, that i can't remember offhand but those three in particular um yeah people either like you were saying earlier love it or hate it they're profound you know one way or the other so and, like wicker and, man wicker man with nicholas cage Oh gosh! I, no, that is not. <laughs> it does not divide yeah. anyone. <laughs> yeah, dude, the world's divided over. I loved it. It made me happy. And oh my gosh, what did I just watch? No, no there's no, there's nobody saying that. <laughs> no, no, no redemptive yeah. value. No, but yeah. So it's oh. it's uh, it's interesting. But oh. while we're on the topic of different films and stuff, mm. um, uh, let's get into what we have been watching and or reading. Jeremiah, what, how how has your week or or two? I guess we haven't really. Yeah, we've been you know slacking a little bit. What so uh, last week or well, two? What have you been watching or reading? I I have hardly had any time to do much other than to write, mm-hmm. um, and to I I was elected a delegate, so that was that happened and transpired in the interim here. Yeah, thank you very much. I feel. Uh, very powerful all of a sudden i've got a throne upstairs and a crown <laughs> no uh but it, it's been an interesting experience very time consuming all hail payment uh, yeah <laughs> oh no <laughs> so yeah yeah i've got like people with like no heads upstairs right now bowing down waiting for me to come back uh and and uh, a lady floating right now right up the stairs hmm. um so no the um so i've been pretty busy with that and the stuff that i have watched i watched um a couple weeks ago, I watched Guns Akimbo, and I really liked that. Never seen uh, that. Yeah, I thought that was a really a really cool movie. It's got oh boy from uh, from Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe. Radcliffe. Yep, yeah, Daniel man. Radcliffe. And I'll tell you, even though I said just now, oh, the guy from Harry Potter, and I always, I, you know, you know the whole time. I mean, it's hard to get that out of your head. At the same time, it was compelling enough, and the story was different enough, and his acting was good enough. That it really, I wasn't like, wow, that Harry Potter kid is doing great with these weapons, killing people. <laughs> like it was, it, you know, it was, it was really convincing, and I and I liked it. I liked the the sound. I thought there were a couple flaws in it. You know, I, I felt like they wanted you to really bo- uh, kind of bond with a specific character um, that that does something valiant, uh, even self sacrificial in the movie, um, without giving away too much. But that I didn't feel that they really developed that enough. And we're really hoping that they could just get you with a couple big things to make you just kind of emotionally connect. And it, to me, it didn't mm-hmm. work. But I but so I watched that. And then I watched uh, I watched the movies that we're going to talk about and are going to have some reaction videos too. like, I don't know. Uh, it follows for one, mm-hmm. um, which was amazing. But uh, the host, which. Uh, Dude, I, all I'll say is in the reaction video that people will see that will come out, um, my hair on my arms was I, I've always heard, oh, my hair on my arms is standing on end. Oh, it was like it was like straight up like a board, my whole arm. And I'm showing the, the camera like, oh, my gosh, do you guys see this? And I was just freaking out, man. And so that 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 scared the living daylights out of me dude that was not cool uh i was really scared by that movie so i saw that and then i watched recently with my son uh, our youngest one lucian i watched the movie cars and i i thought i had seen you know all of them but i'd never seen the third one and so i saw that and it was charming right but then I was like, you know, he got like freakish about cars after watching this. You know, he's really little. He's not even two yet. But now he wants to sleep with cars. So he'll go to bed and have cars with him. He just he's always wanting it. And uh, and so we end up watching all three. We watched number one, two and three. We watched a couple of the shorts that they made and stuff like that. And so that was delightful. A lot of fun. And I've been playing video games, which is very different for me. I normally 
don't do that. And we watched Hitman. That's another thing. We watched Hitman. The the newer one, I think it's 2017, uh, Agent 47 or whatever. And I remember having played Hitman 2 uh, years and years ago. And it made me just remember how much I loved that game, but I never finished it. And so I actually went out because I had, for whatever reason, I didn't have it anymore. And so I went out and I actually bought a video game, which just never happens. <laughs> I, don't, I think the last game I bought was like two years ago and it was Red Dead Redemption. And I think before that, it was San Andreas. So, I mean, it's been a long t- I I hardly buy any new games. So I bought it. I bought Castlevania. Uh, we bought a NASCAR game. You know, we're not even big NASCAR people, but all the car stuff has made the kids kind of like racing and stuff and want to learn more about it. And so that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been watching, man. And uh, what about you, Chad? I just finished reading a book by Max Booth III called We Need to Do Something. And um, I, I actually have never read anything by Max Booth. And he's supposed to be coming on here in uh, a few weeks. But I could tell by his um, his just listening to him speak on, on uh, his podcast, Ghoulish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's against the law not to say it like that, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's how you have to pronounce it. <laughs> and, and um, you know, just his uh, sense of humor. He's a witty dude. And I learned from a, a threat. You know, I don't I don't know Max that, that well. But I learned from a thread uh, or or something at one point that he was into film that was like minimal characters and like uh, even just lo- one location. So I turned him on. I, I tried to turn him on to a couple of movies. One called Tape that has uh, yes, is it Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke? There's only like three people in the movie, I think, and it takes place yeah. all in a hotel room, and it's a yeah. great movie, and it's a perfect example of just like. <sighs> what you can do with writing like that without with having minimal characters, minimal locations. Like I can't imagine that with the exception of Ethan Hawke and paying Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman, how much that movie probably cost. But um, so I, I, I did mention that movie to him. And then when I saw the synopsis for, we need to do something, I, I thought, okay, this is, first of all, it, it made me think of something that I would write myself or a movie that I would enjoy. So I read that. It's a short, you know, it's like a novella, I think. Um, really good book. Really, really good book. And did you put that out, Michael? Uh, no, so if we need to do something, Max put that out independently. So, so okay. I do know Max very well. He's a very yeah. good friend of mine. And he published The Girl in the Video. But we've been friends for a number of years now. We both have the same film agent we have a lot in common we speak to each other nearly every day so yeah he he put that out he was originally going to be shopping it around but then at the point where the pandemic and everything happened he thought I just want to put something out into the world and give people something to read and yeah it's probably his most depressing bleak book but you know people enjoy reading Max Booth so that was the gift to the world and I mean it's done remarkably well I'll of course leave it to him to explain all of that when he's on your show but I mean it's great that it's doing so well for him because he's a wonderful guy he's not always had the best of luck with some of his publishers and you know, mm. the, the the people he's put books out with. So he put this one out on his, his own and it's maybe doing the best that any book has done for him. I mean, I think his his other new book, Touch the Night, is also doing very well and that's mm. via Cemetery Ants. But, I mean, while they're both kind of nasty, dark books, in terms of length, they're the opposites. I think... We need to do something is amongst his shortest books and Mm -hmm. Touch the Night is probably his longest book. It's a bit of an epic. It's more in the vein of Stephen King, uh, Stranger Things, that kind of thing Mm -hmm. uh, spliced together with a hint of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, whereas We Need to Do Something is minimal cast, minimal 
locations, which is also something that I'm a particular fan of as well. So I was delighted to hear that he'd gone that route. Yeah, he. Uh, the, for, for those who are interested in getting the book, first of all, I highly recommend it. And um, it is a, about a family um, that uh, gets themselves into a, they don't have a basement. They get themselves into in Texas into a bathroom to, uh, during a tornado. And then um, as a result of the tornado, they can't get out. So it's very cool. And it, 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 I, I'm claustrophobic. And yeah. I don't yeah. like tornadoes. And one of my yeah. biggest fears about tornadoes <laughs> oh. is getting stuck where we're hiding. Yeah. So while the book didn't scare me, it did have a you know claustrophobic feel. It's you know it's dialogue driven, character driven. He's got some great subplots going in there. Um, definitely highly highly recommend that Max. Boots That's recurring third's, nightmares uh, for me. Yeah. 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 I've recurring nightmares like being stuck in a closet or in a room or in the basement after that but i've always felt that it you know what scared me even more is if i'm on the top like in the space needle right <laughs> in the in the uh that really tall building and you're it's all surrounded by glass and you're there and there's a tornado and you're like oh my gosh and it's just it, <laughs> so when you're describing it oh it's a tornado and then you get trapped in something i'm like oh that's like a double whammy dude <laughs> that's gonna scare me <laughs> so, so michael yeah. what have you been reading or, or or watching tv shows movies books uh, so I'm always reading a lot of things, particularly because of preparing for this is horror conversation. Yeah. So as I said before, I'm on quite the Chuck Paulinick kick at the moment. So not mm -hmm. only am I reading his latest book and his book on the craft of writing, but I'm also listening to a number of his books via Audible. So I was listening to the Damned trilogy. Are you familiar with Damned yeah. and Doomed? So it's, it's about a girl called Madison. She's 13 years old. She dies and is then sent to hell. And this book is essentially revolving around her being in hell, her interactions, her meeting the different people, in hell, her recalling different things that happened in her life with her upper-class Buddhist parents and also unraveling how she actually died and came to be in hell. And it, it's, it's a first-person narrative. It's pretty funny and um, really well done. This was one that I avoided because, I, I mean, for my prejudice felt that maybe it just sounded a bit silly and dark fantasy and like I might just not resonate with it particularly as a person who I guess more gravitates towards real life horror and Jack Ketchum's work or for mm -hmm. for Chuck things like Fight Club and Choke yeah. and these things that are grounded yeah. within reality but I thought I'll check it out particularly because I think if I'm going to listen to an audiobook, a first-person narrative is easier for me to engage with. I find that if it's third-person, I have to concentrate a lot more. I might lose track of what's going on. I think that's a better experience to just read. But I, I heartily recommend it. I mean, it's I don't want to say too much about it. And it's almost one of those books where if you were to tell elements of the plot, it would be, it wouldn't be quite giving it as much service as, as if you were to just read it. Um, mm -hmm. in, in that respect, it's like Donnie Darko, which I know we'll be talking about <laughs> um, later. So yes. that is... <laughs> It is something yeah. that that has in common. But if you were to break Donnie Darko down into just its plot points, you'd be missing out on a lot of of flavoring. And I think I think a lot of what makes this trilogy great, or at least the first two books, because I haven't I haven't got to the third one yet, but it is the voice of, of the protagonist of Madison and 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 viewing the the world through through her eyes and 
it's there's also a lot of social commentary and commentary on 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 human beings and to be human as you would expect from Chuck. So that is one I can heartily recommend. I've also been reading some of Jeff Strand's works, most recently his short story collection, Dead Clown Barbecue. And <laughs> this this guy is a is a funny dude with a lot of laugh out loud moments and there's almost some some there's almost something a little bit british humor about it they'll understated things or he'll just state the obvious but he'll do it in such a funny way that it works and i think this is another guy much like max who is from the school of minimalism and minimalism is something that i'm interested in and i'm interested in dialogue heavy work so it was interesting in Chuck's on writing book where he he actually said that he feels that dialogue is the least effective way to to kind of convey a story and to go from one plot point to the other and I thought interesting uh, it's it's a matter of opinion (laughs) I mean that's vanilla and chocolate (laughs) I I did so I did think about that a little bit and because that's such a strong feature of my fiction and I thought maybe it is maybe it isn't but even if dialogue is the poor man's way of telling story it's also something I really enjoy as both a reader and a writer and I guess to to take it back to music I mean if you really enjoyed hardcore or punk and i know that you enjoy a lot of punk and then someone were to say oh well technical death metal is more complicated punk is is the lowest form of music or what i i don't know what they'd say because i don't agree with that and you could be like well yeah maybe maybe there is more technical stuff that you have to do in technical death metal the clue is in the name but I can still actually enjoy punk more than I do that just because you've in inverted commas proven that it was more difficult. It doesn't mean that I necessarily enjoy it as much. So I think the lesson here is to, to do what you enjoy and what lights you up. And obviously there's an audience for, for dialogue heavy stuff or it, it wouldn't exist. There wouldn't be people giving it five star reviews. And I I do think that it's dangerous to make these complicated statements and the, and these absolute statements. And I'm sure that I'm I am taking a point and I'm probably turning it into something more black and white than how it was intended in the text. So I apologize for that, Jack, if you're listening. <laughs> but I. I, I think that there is a danger when, as a reader, we read an opinion and we take it as an absolute. And that's how, particularly if you're inexperienced or you're a, a writer starting out, you you can be really discouraged. I mean, during my creative writing course, there was a, a lecturer who said that some of the pulpy horror that I was reading, he was like, this isn't good. You need to read this these higher forms of literature here here are a list of writers that you should read and i did read them and actually i got a lot out of them so that that part was really positive but what was really dangerous was effectively saying you know all the pulp that you enjoyed as a teenager yeah that's that's crap and it's confusing because it's like well well i enjoyed that was was my enjoyment not real? Was I mm-hmm. stupid for en- enjoying it? And no, you you enjoy what you enjoy and don't let people tell you it's a lower art form or that your enjoyment is invalid because it's wrong. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. It reminds me of something. When I was looking you up, man, I went to your website. <clears throat> I saw on there, I saw these really cool vintage books right 
your kind of wallpaper. And it said something like Inferno uh, Deun Angel or something like that. Right. And there are these books and it's and I was like, well, I wonder what this is. I looked it up. I was like, maybe it's uh, Inferno. <laughs> like maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just an Italian or something. I don't know. And I looked it up and it, it came up with this thing called Tremolo. And I'm like, oh, well, there's a video for this thing called Tremolo. And I'm like, I clicked on it and uh, it's this it, music. I, it, I think it's Mexican. <laughs> I said, I don't think that is anything close to it. And and uh, I didn't enjoy that. But I thought, you know, I bet there's a lot of people. I looked at the numbers. and I was quite impressed, in fact, by that. And I said, hey, man, I said this. <laughs> Some people. Uh, so even though it was inadvertently that I stumbled upon it, and even though it doesn't have to do with the book or style, it was something that I thought, you know, there are people who would be like, this music is garbage uh, because it's not very dynamic or, you know, the, the structure of it is is no good. You don't have all these crazy riffs going nuts with your fingers at 90,000 miles an hour. Um, but at the same time, it said, there's obviously a lot of people that enjoy it. And so, but I wanted to ask you. I know it's a really random thing, but I, I wanted to ask you this because you brought up Fight Club. No, it's not random at all that Michael inadvertently turned you on to salsa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, you mentioned Fight Club, right? Mm. And and I, I had forgotten to mention that, that. That's something that I watched this week was Fight Club. And I hadn't seen it in a long time. And you, I, you I, must not know who Chuck Polyonk is then. Not by name, but I kind of suck with names, man. Uh, author of Fight just, Club. Well, that's what I'm wanting to ask. I'm wanting to ask, have either of you guys read that? Have you read the book? I have. Yeah. I'm sure Michael has, yeah. You have, what do you, do you like it? Is it good? Yeah, In your opinion, I, of course, right? <laughs> In your opinion, what is your take on that? Because I, 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 you know, I've been buying a bunch of, uh, of books. I actually, I got Jaws recently. I got what? What is it? My name is Legion. It was the book on um, Phantasm that the kid has in his bedroom and stuff. I thought it looked cool, and so I picked that up. I picked up On Writing, uh, Stephen King's On Writing, and so I, I, there's a number of different books that have come in. And of course, uh, what's the other one, man? Drive In by Lansdale. And so, but I, I thought, mm. and I, I said, you know, I said I want to buy this book because I love the movie. Um, but I know that, it, you know, there's going to be differences, of course, uh, kind of like when we talked to Josh Mallerman, he was saying there's a gigantic difference and I won't give it away because it's at the end, <laughs> but it's a dramatic departure. The, the movie was a dramatic departure on kind of the end um, with with yeah. the book. Bird Box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Bird Box. Yes, yes, of course. And so and I shouldn't say, of course, because he's a masterful writer that's come out with Mallory and he's got his. uh his new book that people can go and they can get it online and stuff and read it online. And so, but I, I have fight club in my Amazon prime cart and I'm, I'm just, I'm on that edge. And I said, man, I think I just want to just go through it and just get this bugger. And so when you mentioned it, I thought I'd ask if you'd read it and what you thought about it. So, I mean, I have read it. I haven't reread it as part of my, Paula Nick binge yet, so it's not really fresh in my mind. Although I have recently rewatched the film as well, so that's the film we've both watched recently. <laughs> Maybe yeah, that's yeah. gonna be cut out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I gotta, yeah. but I, gotta come back, I, yeah. I was just gonna make a confession that that might lose me some points because we've been talking about um, Chuck all night long, uh, and I have actually never read him. I've seen Fight Club. And I own one of Chuck's books called, it's the one that it looks like it has a ghost on the cover. Haunted. Um, yeah, that, I have that. Yeah. But hearing, I'm, I'm fascinated by the man and, and his storytelling, like I said, on in interviews. And when I saw, I think it was when I saw his interview on Joe Rogan, I was like, mm. I have to get, because the stuff that he was talking about in there was it's like something that that Ketchum would write about and I love Ketchum, you know? And so it just, the, just the uh, haunting stories he was telling disturbing stuff. And, and so, but yeah, that's my, my confession. I'm, I've never actually read them. Yeah. We've lost about 30 of our subscribers on YouTube chat over this. All of yeah. them. Then? All, which would be, yeah, we have 30. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all gone. Chad, everyone. They're like, screw you, buddy. It's over. I'm done. At least I knew. I know that he wrote Fight Club. 
Yeah, at least you knew that. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the the short answer is that you should absolutely buy Fight Club. That is the the big yeah. kind of take home headline. So I yeah, I think as soon as we're done with this, you know, it's in your cart right away. Just buy it, you know. No, Pull the trigger, man. N- nothing yeah. more to think about. But of of course, there are differences. It's a it's a kind of experimental narrative and storytelling style. But it is one of his most effective works. I mean, there's a reason why it's so popular. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I I'd certainly put it in my favorite books by him. I think. Choke might be my favorite of all of his books. Um, I heard that was good. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, isn't Choke the movie where it's like the the picture on the front has the kind of tail end of a woman's body coming out of a mouth? I I believe so. Yes. It might be a fascinating familiar. mental image <laughs> for some of the listeners. They're like, "What?" Uh, yeah, but no, I I think I have the movie upstairs. And I think it was in one of those libraries where it's outside people's homes. You know, mm. they got these little, these little kind of, yeah, uh, almost like birdhouses with books yeah. in them, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like a bird box. <laughs> but I, yeah. I, yeah, so I went there. It's such a terrible joke. But I think it was in there, and I saw it, and I thought that looks kind of scandalous. I might need to just take that home. <laughs> so I think yeah, I just took it. I think I took it home and said, you know, but uh. I'm excited, man. So you know what? I, I am going to do that. I'm going to do that with a great deal of urgency. I'll probably end up purchasing it at the same time that I watch Donnie Darko. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you better hurry. You got about 15 minutes. So you've uh, <laughs> you've admitted on air then perhaps what's gone on. Or <laughs> is that being cut out? <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because there were multiple times in this episode where we're, we've been laughing. And it's like an inside joke. <laughs> like people don't know, you know. We we admitted that okay, yeah. there was a, a bunch of problems, right? This terrible thing. Yeah. And I'll just lay it out there, man. Is that I was supposed to watch Donnie Darko. In fact, I selected Donnie Darko to watch. And I so Chad brought up the three movies, and I was like, oh, dude, yeah, Donnie Darko for sure. And. Uh, <laughs> Today, today comes by a couple days ago. We're we're watching TV and we're watching a movie, the kids and I, and we're we're going through different movies, and they saw Donnie Darko and they said, Hey, isn't that the movie you're supposed to watch uh, for paleo cheese? And for some reason, I just said, No. I said, Oh no, that's a scanner darkly. And so, you know, I was like, Oh, you know, so that that's the movie. So I my brain wasn't here. And then today, for some weird reason, I thought that. We were talking about It Follows. And so I get ready. It's like three o'clock and I sit down at my computer and I've got amazing notes. I mean, I I went through even like Freudian analysis of the film. I, I got it all. And it's totally awesome. And I'm like, I'm psyched. And I thought it was going to start at seven. And Chad's like, it starts at 830. And so I'm like, well, that's great, man. Now I got it, you know, a good hour and a half. I can just chill. And so I just chilled. I was super confident, like. Of course, it, it got bad again when I came down and tried to set everything up. <laughs> that was another story, you know. Uh, but yeah, and so we get on, and I'm like, yeah, and they they, they say, hey, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Donnie Darko, and this is like 20 minutes into the pre-show where we're just talking, <laughs> and they say it, and my eyes, it, it's like the closest experience, Chad, that I've had doing this show where something like Lansdale, that Lansdale. Yes, dude. We, yeah. 20 minutes in, 25 minutes in, and I realized that I had not pushed record. And it and we'd been talking and Chad told this like really personal story about his dad and like how you know how he connected with Lansdale's work and I, and I notice it on my end and my and eyes Lansdale's man, talking me up. Who I had to cut in. I had to interrupt him cuz he's on a roll. I mean, he can just go forever. Yeah, and yeah. Just, yeah. And so he's a mile a minute. And I'm like, uh, uh, um, uh, and I'm just trying to interrupt to get in there. And then not only do I have to interrupt, like hard stop everything, just put my hand, but then I have to say, guys, uh, <laughs> it's not recorded at all. <laughs> so that's yeah. the closest thing. So right before the show, 
And I'm glad somebody said something. Otherwise, man, like Dude, we would have been into been this. Funny. That would have been funny. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> it would have been hilarious. You know, I'd have been like, oh. And so I had, uh, yeah. I had another thing to talk about, but but because we've been going on for so long and we've had some good conversation, I don't want to keep uh, Michael just save it for another another podcast. Yeah. But so here's where we say. So shall we start talking about Danny Darko? Dude, absolutely. We absolutely need to talk about it right All now. Right. And people right, be, and it. it will connect by the magic of editing. And it will be as if I never made a mistake at all. <laughs> all right, so let's, here we go. We're going to talk about uh, Donnie Follows. <laughs> oh, let's do this. <laughs> what if a storytelling podcast could be an interactive experience? Hi, I'm Mariah Powell, amateur author and creator of Hobbies Include Writing, and I'm openly inviting your opinions on stories I haven't finished writing yet. Launching with my original audio novel, Blood That Binds, visit hobbiesinclude-writing.weebly.com for more about the show and look for it on a podcasting platform near you.